Hello Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us today on the show. We discuss the Bulls' most recent stretch of games, including huge wins against the Brooklyn Nets on Monday night, followed by a comprehensive win against Luka and the Mavs on Wednesday. After yet another win, the Bulls find themselves atop of the East, sitting pretty with an 8-3 record, as well as owning a top 7 offense and defense. But unfortunately, though, just as things were humming along quite nicely, we found out this afternoon that Nikola Vucevic won't be traveling with the team on its West Coast trip due to him entering the league's health and safety protocols. There's a lot to chat about in this one, and I'm pleased to be doing so with my friend of many years, Mr. Morton Jetson. Mort, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me to to talk about these unfortunate news about Vooch. Well, yeah, I quickly had to change my rundown shit for the, for this episode. I was uh, very buoyant about all the things we were going to be discussing. And, and look, we, we still will. Obviously, there's a lot of good things happening with the Bulls nonetheless. But I guess we have to start with the, the most recent news uh, at the top because it is the most recent news. It's the most yeah. pressing news, particularly as this Bulls team is about to hit a, a five-game uh, West Coast trip, which isn't typically the most easy of uh, stretches of games. Um, so to be losing Vucevic for effectively 10 days, which will basically be these five games upcoming potentially maybe even more we'll see but uh yeah it's it's really unfortunate for for a number of reasons for, for, for Vooch hopefully he's well hopefully this doesn't affect him too much yeah uh, I don't know if he uh, has contracted the virus or if it's a a contact tracing thing I'm not 100% sure on that matter just yet we're, we're recording not long after the news dropped so I haven't had a chance to really dive into it but nonetheless, uh, he, he's out for 10 days. That impacts the team. I, I've always touted on this podcast for this season that Vooch is probably the most important or if not the most important, certainly the most irreplaceable player on this on this roster as is currently constructed. That theory is going to be put to the test. And uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate timing because he was starting to get his, his bounce back, I suppose. He had a really, really strong game against the Mavs, did some decent things in the fourth quarter against the Nets. It, it kind of felt like he was breaking free of his... Of his slump, and uh, and now this happens. It's, it's really yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's the entire front court now of him and, and Patrick Williams that aren't there, which yeah. is just losing a lot of size. I, I will say, you know, I, I have I have armed myself with uh, a half a glass half full approach uh, for <laughs> for this season because let's just be upright. I mean, this is this has been a fantastic season so far, and I, I kind of want to see Tony Bradley. So I'm optimistic in the sense that I want to see Tony get more minutes, and I think he was lumbering a little bit. Uh, when he started getting minutes, like he was, he was looking slower and less versatile than he usually is. So maybe you know, for him to get extended court time could actually be uh, a major boon for him. So when Vooch does come back, Tony is a little bit more acclimated uh, for for a game time, backing up that position. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. And um, you know, in the minutes that he has played, he has he has. He has made an impact. So it'll be interesting to see more, more Tony Bradley. Uh, Marco Simonovic has been recalled from the G League team. So I'm assuming he's going to be coming on the West Coast trip. I doubt he plays, but he'll be there as a, uh, I guess, a filler option if, if required. Yeah. We'll see more Alizé Johnson. We may see just completely small lineups where, I don't know, let's get crazy. Let's throw Derek Jones Jr. at center or something like that. Like Who, <laughs> who knows what will happen? And I guess that's more feasible in their first two games on this West Coast trip where the Bulls will be playing at, at uh, Golden State tomorrow night or Friday night in US time. And then Sunday Sunday evening, they will be playing the Clippers. They're two teams that aren't huge teams. I mean, 
for the Warriors as well, I, I don't know if Draymond will be playing at this point at least. He was questionable to play in this game, but they don't have a huge front court anyway. And similarly with the Clippers, I mean, they, they, they typically play small as well. Like Zubac in the, in the front quarters as their center, but behind, right. behind him, they don't really have a ton of size anyway. So I think you can maybe get away with it from that sense, like the pure size point of view. Obviously losing Vooch sucks like just having an all-star level player be out of the out of the rotation is bad but the fact that you know that that maybe they can get around the size thing in the first two games but then you've got the lakers and the blazers who have some really big big guys in their front court so it's, it's going to be an interesting test but nonetheless um you know we'll, we'll see how they react i suppose but yeah it, it's just unfortunate for vooch because right i don't know like we, we all we all know about the struggles he was having thus far this season and and you could see him like you could visibly see him breaking free of that of those shackles or like whatever was you know forcing him or holding him back i always thought of something mental or something confidence related certainly not something skill based or him falling off the wagon suddenly but yeah it's just it's just annoying that's you know for him he finally breaks free and, and then this shit happens it's uh it's yeah. frustrating yeah absolutely I, I, and i i mean Look, for him to to miss, especially the Warriors game, it is a, just a, a major loss because they don't have a whole lot of shot blocking capabilities there. They don't have a whole lot of rim defense. Like, sure, Draymond is there, but even as great as def- defensively as he is, you know, Vooch is very, very solid down low, not just as a scorer, but also as a passing outlet. So the Bulls having to replace that with drives and shooting, you know, ranking 30th in the league in three-point field goal attempts per game and makes for that rather, that is going to be a significant challenge. Um, but yeah, like maybe, again, glass half full approach, maybe the 10 or so days that he'll have off because of this, let's assume for a second that he's asymptomatic and he's going to be fine. Maybe that also helps him gain some some distance from his previous struggles and then he comes out like gangbusters when he returns. Yeah, hopefully, maybe, maybe this. Well, I, yeah, it, it's hard to say, I suppose, because we we don't know what he's going to be doing, what he's allowed to do, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, maybe mentally, this break will help him sort of bounce back somewhat. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they the Bulls try to manage this thing without Vooch. Uh, I assume Tony Bradley gets the start. Uh, yeah, but it is, it's going to be fascinating nonetheless. But yeah, it's just annoying, I guess, because yeah. the team was eight and three, or we are eight and three right now. Like things are going pretty damn well, and I mean, you could logically make a case that maybe they should be nine and two or ten and one or something. So, um, yeah, in that sense, it's it's a little bit annoying. But at the same time, I guess I am appreciative of the fact that they have those eight wins under their belt. Like this would feel a whole lot worse if for whatever reason they were, you know, five and six or four and seven, mm-hmm. and then you get hit with hit with this news. Like that would really maybe tank this road trip altogether. Whereas if you can maybe come away with this five game swing and maybe win two or five and, and, and you know, your, your record's 10 and eight or something like that, or, you know, 11 and 11 and seven or something like that. Like it's still not the end of the world. So Agreed. at the same, at same time, off this sucks, uh, we should be appreciative of the fact that the Bulls have sort of banked those eight wins and, um, you know, that could be very valuable towards the back end of the season. Yeah, no, the, these eight wins were outright necessary in the grander yeah. context of it. I mean, mm-hmm. when you really look at it, it's not just the Vooch thing. It's also not having Patrick Williams. It's not having Kobe White back, at least not yet. It sounds like he is right there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we've gotten an update on on like a specific date return for him. But I don't anticipate it being Golden State on Friday, at least. And then you have yeah. Sack playing with virtually one hand. Yeah. So, like, to be eight and three 
under those circumstances right now, and then now you're losing Vooch. I mean, oh boy. I mean, it's necessary to be 8-3 and three at this point because you can survive that road trip. Then eventually, Sack's hand is going to heal. Vooch is going to come back. Uh, Kobe is going to come back. And then you can ride the ship in that capacity. So, yeah, right now it's just uh, <laughs> it's going to be a test of endurance. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess that you mentioned Kobe there. Maybe we can trans, you know, transition to Kobe because I, I guess the latest on him is he's he's back with the team to a degree. Like he's, he was training with the uh, the G League team. He's he. It sounds like he's going to join the team on this West Coast trip. Yeah. Whether he plays or not, we'll see. Maybe he suits up, but maybe just just as a player because maybe Billy doesn't think he's ready. Whatever the situation may be, but. Uh, and, you know, Casey Johnson, I think on the broadcast last night was was suggesting that maybe the Lakers game is when he comes back on Monday. Um, that was speculative, uh, I believe. I, I don't think that was a report as such. But nonetheless, Kobe is getting closer to being back, which is pleasing because we, we assumed he would be back at some point in November. And, you know, if this fits the timeline, so to speak. And, yeah, it's, it, that would be a welcome addition, I suppose. And, you know, you lose Vooch, which sucks, obviously. But if Kobe can come back and, and start to get his groove back on this West Coast trip, then, then that would be ideal because uh, it's just funny because last last year I was very, very critical of Kobe. Just be, not necessarily about, you know, Kobe himself, more so the, the role he was thrust, in, or thrust right. upon him. But now I'm just so much more excited about Kobe, the bench gunner, and how he fits this specific team versus Kobe White, the starting point guard of a bad 30-win team type thing. Like it, it, So much of the NBA is having the right player in the right role, and I think for Kobe to be in that right role this season, I think he's just going to be um, so much more of worth, of, of value this season. So I'm, I'm, very, for, um, I'm very, very, very happy and pleased that he's coming back actually very soon because I guess the one... In, the main thing that I have concerns with this Bulls team, or and despite them being eight and three, like I still worry about the disparity between this team and you know a lot of their competition in terms of three point attempts. And right. I understand the three point, you know, the three point shot isn't everything, but it's pretty much. Well, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's certainly not everything, but it's it's pretty damn important. Let's say, yeah, and it's, it becomes especially more important for a team like the Bulls when. You know, your defensive identity is built on steals, on blocks, getting in transition and, you know, fueling so much of your, your offense from that point of view. But in games when you can't get into transition for whatever reason, because you're playing a team that just is protecting the ball or your rotations are off slightly, you just don't have it one particular night and you're not, you know, forcing steals and turnovers and those sorts of things, then, you know, how can you fuel your offense? What other ways can you get some offense going? And obviously the three-point shot, we know it's a great equalizer and the Bulls right now are last in the league in three-point attempts. And I don't think Kobe by himself will solve that problem, but to have someone like Kobe come off the bench who can jack up seven, eight threes a game and, you know, in one game catch fire and maybe drill like five or six threes, similar to to what Lonzo did last night against the Mavs, then you know I'm really looking forward to Kobe being back for sure. And 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 to bolster your point a little bit, I mean the two losses against Philadelphia is the perfect example of how you can mm. use the three point line. I mean, yeah, the, the the Bulls were grotesquely better as a team as a talent unit out there. They just got mm-hmm. beat because you had George Niang, you know, spotting <laughs> up and hitting everything. Forkin Korkmaz coming in doing damage. I mean. <laughs> It, it was everyone, right? And and the yep. three point line is just so crucial. And it's it's almost like I look at this team, and and I kind of just kind of wait for them to start realizing. Oh, okay. You know, when when Sack's hand is is a little bit more healthy, when Kobe comes back, 
yeah, that that's when you can like dial up the three point attempts a little bit, and that will just make it so so much more interesting overall. Because this is a team right now that is number one in keeping, uh, you know, not turning the ball over. Rather, like they're number one in ball protection, they're number one in free throw percentage, they're number seven in feet, raw field goal percentage. I mean, they're number three in free throws made. So. They, they they have a lot of these bases covered. Like their one major thing they're just really, really bad at is getting up threes. So when that is solved, and I'm not saying that they're going to finish in the top five in the league in three-point shooting, but if they just become league average for the rest of the season, suddenly you're going to squeeze out wins at the end of the year. You're, you're probably going to swing about four to five games just because you increase the volume of that shot. And look, they're... Eight and three right now, they look so much better. Who's to say they could not get close to a 50-win season if everything kind of comes up millhouse for them? Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, this is going to be an interesting test in these in these two games against the Warriors and Clippers because these these two teams are, the, you know, the, the Warriors at the moment have the best defensive rating in the NBA. The Clippers have the third best defensive rating in the NBA. So, you know, if for whatever reason their, their defenses are t- tuned up and you can't get your score going, then, then that's going to be you know a difficult outcome because you're playing three really good or sorry two really good defenses you know two of the best three defenses in the NBA but similarly these two teams that the Bulls will be coming up against they you know so much of their offense is fueled by the three point shot like the Warriors at the moment are a third in terms of three point rate the right. Clippers are eighth in three point rate so if those teams can squeeze your offense with their really good defense and then on the offensive side of the ball given the disparity in the amount of threes that they take per game versus the Bulls uh like just as an example like the Warriors offense generates 47.7% of their offense is from the three-point line, or well, you yeah. know, at, at least from an attempts point of view. The Bulls are down near 30%. So if those two teams can clamp your offense, and then at, at the same time on the other end, like they really get away from the three-point line and they start throwing up attempts and actually start making them, and the Bulls can't counter that, then that's where, you know, that's where they're going to find some problems, I suppose. So that's why I'm still a little bit concerned about the, the three-point shooting. I want to see more, but obviously with Kobe coming back, hopefully that hopefully that helps. But nonetheless, mm. you know, what also helps is having someone like Alonzo, you know, fire up 10, 10 three-point attempts like he did against the um, the Mavericks. And he, uh, Alonzo is such an, an enigma to me because every time <laughs> he takes a three, I feel like that thing is going down. But then the minute he takes a shot within the three-point line, whether it's at, at the basket, at within the mid-range area, whatever it may be, I just automatically feel like it's going to be a miss. And and that was true against the Mavs. Like he couldn't abs- he could not miss against Dallas from the three-point line. There shouldn't really be any excuses or reasons why Lonzo isn't shooting seven, eight, nine times from the three-point line every single game. Uh, like that's how confident I am in his three-point shot. And, yeah. you know, he, he, he kind of tore the game open and well, I won't say tore the game open because that's maybe not completely fair, but he was, in terms of like being the great equalizer or the three-point shot being the great equalizer, you know, Lonzo's threes, the way they were falling in that first half, like he was he was hugely important against the Mavs. And like that's what I'm sort of getting at. Like if you can have a player like that in the starting unit who can do stuff like that, like Lonzo, I want to see Levine shoot more threes. But then, you know, off the bench, if you can have Kobe come in and gun, then um, maybe there's some scope there for this team to be a little bit better on the you know, a little bit better from the three-point line. Yeah, and let's not forget Zach in all of this. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. dude last year took, uh, what was it, eight, eight, almost eight and a half, something along those lines. Uh, over eight uh, three-point field goal attempts per game. He's down to just over six. And it, I think it's pretty clear 
that his left hand is bothering him. Like he is preferring to dribble with his right. Like yeah, he'll he'll dribble when his left when it's necessary. But you can see that he's he's picking the ball up a little bit quicker when he dribbles with his left. It is it is frustrating him, and I think the range right now, just the three point range, is messing with him slightly because of that hand, uh, which explains why he's down in like the 33, 34% right now. That is going to go up. He is just too good of a shooter. That hand is going to heal. Uh, the the, the three-point attempts are going to go up. He's going to be such a huge catalyst for this. Uh, I, and I, I think it's important that we keep that in the back of our heads because he's playing 35 minutes a game and we kind of are assuming, oh, because Zach is playing, you know, we, we can't really anticipate more from him in that department. We certainly, certainly can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I guess uh, the other day I was sort of wondering, like, where where is Kobe going to get minutes? Maybe that changes now with Vucevic going out. And that kind of sounds like an odd statement, given that Vuce is a center and Kobe's like a backup shooting guard or something. But if we anticipate maybe the Bulls sort of countering Vucevic's loss with, um, you know, just super small ball, the, the, yeah. the, you know, you may have four four guards on the court, then then maybe there are minutes there for Kobe to come back. And, and maybe we'll see a completely different looking version of this Bulls team with you know, and maybe not against Golden State and, and, and the Clippers, but maybe towards the back end of this road trip where, you know, Billy Donovan gets crazy, starts throwing things around and you, you've got four guards out there. And I don't know, maybe maybe that's how you find some time for, for, for Kobe White. So I don't, I don't know that missing Vooch is a direct, a direct way to get Kobe minutes, but there may be an indirect way because yeah. you can play Lonzo, you know, at small forward. You can play bloody Caruso on power forwards at this point. Like Billy Donovan has been throwing them on any which player, like whether they're guarding point guards, whether they're guarding small forwards, wings, big guys, they've kind of seen it all. So in that sense as well, like I kind of feel like the Bulls are a well-placed to match up against a team like the Warriors as well, at least from a defensive standpoint. Like if, yeah. if, if Draymond is out, then there goes, you know, their primary creator, let's say. Um, from a pass, passing standpoint, obviously Steph is there. It's the, uh, the the hub of their offense and the one that fuels their entire offense. But if you got if you remove Raymond, all of it goes back onto Steph, and you know you've got Caruso and Lonzo sort of hounding him all game. Maybe you can throw mm-hmm. some you know eye on him for a couple of minutes here and there. Um, and then you know from a backline standpoint, you've got like Javante, Derek yeah. Jones Jr. These guys rotating quickly onto Steph as well. Then I, again, maybe there's. That's a, a you know a particular tactic that Billy Donovan could throw out against uh, against the Warriors, but similarly for for the, the Clippers as well. Like they're similarly built too, where Paul George is the main thing that's happening offensively. You know he, the Clippers have an, a number of good role players around him who are playing extremely well right now, but at the same time, like this is that is his team. Like this is Paul George's team. If you can nullify him, then you go a long way in winning the game. So it, it's odd. Like it, I, I I'm. I'm disappointed the Vooch is out, but at the same time, I think if, if the Bulls get creative, if they can start maybe hitting some threes or launching some more threes and just do some funky stuff that maybe these teams aren't expecting, uh, expecting mm. rather, then uh, maybe there's some scope here to actually win these games. Yeah, of course. Look, the Bulls have two 26-point scorers right now. Both, yeah, both like Two elite shot creators. It's something that, uh, you know, the, that hasn't been seen in Chicago since... Well, ever, at least when it comes to that shot volume, Scotty was never that kind of guy, even though apparently he fancies himself as being just as good as Michael Jordan. I, I don't think we should get into that, but good Lord, Scotty. Um, 
that 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 was something. But but no, I mean this is this is something new for Bulls fans as well. Seeing two guys who can consistently get their own offense. Demar has been well, frankly, an MVP candidate or in the early going. I mean, and that sounds insane, but he has been. Um, like, do, do I think that's sustainable? No, not necessarily. I think he is riding a, a hot wave as well, so I think he'll stabilize it a little bit. But he is extremely good at creating his own shot, not just from the mid-range, but getting to the basket, getting to the foul line. Like, teams are forced to, to guard the Bulls now. And I, I've been saying this for, yes, yeah, since the summer started. I, I even think I said it on your podcast as well. Like, the Bulls were used to Denzel Valentine, Laurie Markinen, Ryan Archidiakono, Cristiano Felicio. Like these guys are no longer there, so and it seems there's a there's a bit of a remnant going on in Bulls fans' memory. Like, oh, we were used to that. Um, th- those guys are not there anymore. This is a quality roster, top to bottom. Like most of these guys who are at the end of the bench, like Alice Johnson, Matt Thomas, Troy Brown Jr., they would have gotten like 27 minutes per game on an old team of that caliber with Felicio, Archie Diakono, and all that. So. This is a different Bulls team in the sense that, yeah, you can talk about how they match up with guys, but you also have to talk about how other teams try to guard them because they are potent now. And that's not something that has been often associated with this team. <laughs> no, most certainly. And some of it, so much of it stems to, you know, Caruso and Monzo, how they've reshaped this team. And I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to put it all on those two guys. Like you, you mentioned, Rose and Levine, like they have been unbelievable. Like considering what Levine is doing, despite having, you know, one hand, let's call it, or at least one functioning thumb. Yeah. Like I don't even think Zach has been anywhere close to his best. But despite that, he's still like just, you know, putting up insane numbers. Like he, his numbers from an efficiency standpoint are down this season you know, so to speak, so virtually the entire leagues due to rule changes, ball changes, and, and all those sorts of things. But nonetheless, like he's still a, a highly efficient player, still putting up 26 a game, still finding ways to get to the rim. Like his three-point shot is off at the moment, but if that can just, you know, regress back to the mean, then holy hell, like yeah. <laughs> maybe there's another level to Zach Levine that I just didn't expect from an offensive standpoint. But, you know, DeMar has just been fantastic through 11 games and he had one bad game last night. But even in a bad game, DeMar's pulling down seven rebounds, dishing out six assists. So he's still finding ways to contribute. But And scoring what, what 17 is, points. Like, again, yeah, exactly. when, was, when did the Bulls have a secondary 17-point score for a long time? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's insane. But I, I guess why I... Why I think Caruso and Lonzo are so important is because this Bulls offense and defense, to be fair, in the fourth quarter is just dismantling mm. teams. At the moment, the Bulls absolutely are killing teams, crushing teams even. Like their net rating in the fourth quarter right now is 17.3 per 100 possessions. That leads the NBA. The Warriors are actually two by by chance in that, in that stat as well. Um, they're 13.7 net rating in that sense. So the, the reason the Bulls are so good in their fourth quarter is because they lean on they're key guys. Like that's when Billy throws out Caruso with the starters. That's when obviously Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan are out there. Obviously Vucevic as well. It won't be Vuce this time around. Maybe it's Tony Bradley. Maybe it's a Derek Jones Jr. Who the hell knows? But nonetheless, like the Bulls have shown that they can just completely dismantle teams in fourth quarters. And so much yeah. of that comes down to their defense where they've got a 97.1 defensive rating in the fourth quarter, which would be good for the best in the NBA across, you know, <laughs> the, the season thus far. So, so much of that comes down to Lonzo and Caruso and we saw that against the Mavs like 
maybe maybe it's set up well to to defend a team like the Mavs who only have that one guy in Luca who can really do anything off the bounce and and if you can ball hawk Luca with Lonzo and throw Caruso at him as as well like you you set up well to defend to defend that type of team but again thinking about the the opponents coming up where you've got Curry and you don't have much else off the bounce you've got Paul George and you don't really have you know many other viable or credible you know guys that you're really really worried about like again like you can throw Lonzo and Caruso on these guys defensively and then just let Levine and um and DeMar just go completely psycho on on offense so I guess the point here, Mort, is I'm, I'm talking myself into uh, the Bulls actually coming away from this West Coast trip with a bit of a, uh, a, a more wins than what I was anticipating. I, I, I said I said before, you know, if they can come away with two wins out of the next five, like I would be happy with that. But uh, I'm talking myself into at least a four and one record now. Am I an idiot? <laughs> I, I think I am, but nonetheless, we'll no, see. No, I mean, I mean, being optimistic <laughs> is a nice change of pace for where the the Bulls fan base used to be, right? And yeah. in fairness, I mean, the Portland game should be a win. It should, like, just logically speaking, it should. Uh, I also think that Lakers, uh, sorry, the Clippers game should be a win. And hell, let's actually throw the Lakers in there because I don't trust that team whatsoever. I mean, the my all the concerns that I had about Russell Westbrook joining that team have yeah, so yeah, far yeah. come alive. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, realistic. Like, I, I know that NBA, any NBA team, even uh, regardless of how good it's played, can drop a game here and there. Like, it's not going to be perfect basketball. And and the Bulls could absolutely drop a couple of them just because they're on the road and uh, things just go haywire. Like, someone can get hot. Like, let's say the Clippers game. You could, you could you just see Paul George feeding everyone and Reggie Jackson hitting, like, eight threes and Nicholas Batum hitting six threes. I mean, these types of scenarios could happen. So I'm, I'm preparing myself for that. But at the same time, I agree with you. I mean... I do think the Bulls are going to come into these games feared from the outside. I, I This is not going to be one of those games where, you know, a year ago or two years ago, teams are going to be looking at them and go, oh, yeah, that's a W. This is going to be a hard thought. I mean, even the even the Knicks game, right? I know the Knicks should have won that by, what, 15 or something like that, but the Bulls kept fighting back, and they were one DeRozan jumper away from taking that game. So I think teams are aware that, this is a team that's going to fight to the very, very last minute. And that matters. I realize it sounds very cliche, but it matters. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, number of games here coming up for, for a number of reasons. Um, the Vucevic thing being, you know, a prime reason for it and just how, how Billy Donovan sort of adjusts on the fly. And I'm confident that you, you mentioned it there, like the, we're being optimistic, but there's, I think it's, a real reason to be optimistic at this point because this team through 11 games has shown us why we should be optimistic and a big part part of why we should be optimistic is is Billy Donovan who I think is just coaching a fantastic season now obviously it's a lot easier to coach a team when the team is you know bought in is playing the way you want them to play and all that sort of stuff but they do that because of you as the coach and obviously as well like it's it's better for you as a coach to have better talent around you so naturally Billy Donovan looks like a better coach this season than what he did last when you know he didn't necessarily have a, a great talent pool to pull from but nonetheless the things he's doing in game the things you know the way he carries himself more generally uh you know Billy's been creative in games as well. Like he's been throwing around rotations in the, in the last couple of games. We saw this against the Nets and, and maybe it started sooner. Maybe it started the game before, but it, it was certainly was prevalent in the, in the Nets game where, you know, because of Vooch's struggles, Billy Donovan started putting him into the second unit with DeMar, whereas, yeah. you know, it was just primary 
or primarily DeMar going into that second unit with the bench guys, but there were stretches of of of, of the second quarter, fourth quarter, you know, minutes in those game, uh, sorry, minutes in those periods of of the game where it wasn't just Demar out there with the second unit. It was Vooch as well. Like he's he's mixing things up on the fly. He's he's learning things about this team on the fly. He's prepared to to mix it up in that sense. So like you know when when before I was I was rattling off this, this idea of you know throwing Derek Jones Jr. at his center or you know getting really funky that like that. Like I could I could totally see that. Obviously I, I would imagine him you know, sticking with Bradley, sticking with Alizé and, and maybe Alizé, you know, is not really a traditional center anyway. So maybe that's the, the, the extreme that Billy Donovan will push. But we, yeah. we saw him earlier in the season throw Patrick Williams out at center for a couple of minutes there. So he's prepared to try things. And I, I, I'm down with any coach who's prepared to try things, particularly in these moments when you, you're kind of tested or, or being asked to do something weird and funky because of, because of the situation. So. Right. Yeah, turn turn a potential weakness, which is the lack of size that the Bulls will have with Vucevic out, into a potential you know a potential strength, particularly with these teams that they're going to be coming up against, having no idea you know how to game plan against <laughs> an Alize Johnson or a Derek Jones Jr. getting a ton of minutes at center. How how maybe you just go Demar at center, something stupid and crazy like that. Maybe that's too wild to think about, but um, yeah, I, I guess my that's a long rant to suggest that. I'm really confident in Billy Donovan finding the solution, whatever the best solution is. And maybe that solution isn't good enough because, you know, maybe it's just, maybe it's just not. But nonetheless, I'm confident in Billy putting out the best possible solution over the next five games. Yeah, for sure. And to your point, I mean, look, right now he's starting six foot four Javante Green at power forward. I mean, yeah. so so absolutely. And and this is about him trying to identify where can we get an edge. Um, and, and for Green, I think... Look, I mean, everyone was like, wow, Javante Green is the starter. What, What is going on here? But he's he's a guy who can rebound outside of his area despite being six foot four. Like, he came up with that huge offensive rebound last night um, and kicked it out for Lon- Was it That was Lonzo who got the, the kick out, right? Uh, I don't remember now off the top of my head. Oh, all right. Well, he had a huge, huge, huge offensive rebound. Like, he, he's a guy who, who does that outside of his area. He yeah, blocks yeah, shots. I think you were right. I think you were right. I think it was Talonzo. That rebound was insane, by the way. Yeah, it, it really was. And and his his tenacity, his energy, like I, I think that is what Donovan focuses on a little bit more. It is not like fixed height, for example, or fixed position. I think Donovan has really embraced positionless basketball and is just kind of putting guys out there that kind of fits. And look, can we also just take a moment and appreciate how the Bulls have essentially found two more rotation players in Javante and Io. Like I didn't anticipate Io being part of the rotation this early. I thought he would mm-hmm. be a year away. Javante, yep. I didn't think much of. Like when they re-signed, it was like, oh, okay, 15 man or whatever. Like having missing Williams for what is going to be probably the entire regular season. And then being able to rebound from that and going, oh, well, you know what? Javante Green is a starter in this league, and Ayo Dozumu is right off the bat a rotation player in this league on a good team. Like, that's huge. And those are the margin plays that you also have to hit. And so far, the Bulls have, which is great news for them going forward. They just seem to keep being able to find guys who can contribute. Yeah, for sure. And why that matters as well is because, you know, obviously Pat's out for the year potentially. So, you know, Pat and Io, they're not the same player. They're not, they don't play necessarily the same position. But if you can find a player within your pool of players who you can compa- uh, depend on for 15, 20 minutes or whatever it may be, then then that's huge. And, you know, because the Bulls have a versatile 
uh, you know, set of players. But before we mentioned, you know, you could throw Caruso a power forward, but like that, that was ultimately the closing lineup anyway. Like Pat wasn't closing games necessarily. Right. So one of Lonzo or, or Caruso is going to be guarding power forwards, maybe DeMar gets on, on certain occasions. So it's it's not huge from that standpoint that you're missing Pat from a closing lineup standpoint. But if you can get someone like Io who just comes in off the bench who, who you weren't expecting to play many minutes and he can give you 15 solid minutes a game like we saw against the Nets where he went crazy uh, in that third and fourth quarter uh, third and fourth quarter period like like that matters like if you find a player like that randomly who can do things then then that really helps and and I guess now the onus is on guys like Troy Brown Jr and you know those sorts of back of the end of rotation guys who can maybe they can do something similar that like they've seen io do this sort of stuff and and maybe alizé johnson can do this on this west coast trip i'm assuming he's going to be lent on more we talked about tony bradley before like if these guys can have yeah. their their io moments if we say where they go beyond being a bit part player who maybe you could give 10 minutes to and then all of a sudden they they're playing in a way that justifies 15 20 25 minutes then again like that that's that's huge for the bulls and particularly with kobe coming back as well so uh yeah there's a lot to be positive about despite vooch being out Uh, it still sucks obviously with vooch being out given that he was finally finding his groove but yeah nonetheless um nonetheless there's ways around this more at least i've talked myself into it (laughs) yeah no you should like honestly when you look at the roster right is there any one player where you just go, oh, no, I don't trust that player at all? Because I don't get that feeling. Yeah, not not right now. I mean, for me, initially, it was Ayo. I, I didn't think he was ready, but he, right. he's clearly shown to me that he, he is ready. Like, like again, like he against the Nets, what, what did he have, 15 and 7 or something like that off yep. the bench? And, look, he didn't have the, he, his best night against the Mavericks. He he. He had some some dumb possessions, but he's a rookie. Like that's going to have it happen. But there were also possessions where he influenced the game. So, um, yeah. To to answer your question, that no, right now I don't think there is right. uh, a, a, a weakness within the roster or a guy that I think immediately needs to be off the court. Like I, I keep thinking this second unit is going to prove that point to me. Like when when Billy rolls out a second unit that features Demar Derozan and then Caruso, Io, uh, DJJ, and and Tony Bradley out there, like I'm. I'm instinctively thinking this lineup isn't going to work, that there's not enough shooting. Like, how the hell is this unit going to score? But every single damn time, like, that five-man unit just brings it defensively to the point where they they turn defense into offense, they get into transition, they score that way. And then in those rare opportunities where they do get in the half court, DeMar does his thing, takes over the game, and is basically just keeping that lineup afloat. And, well, that's not even fair because that lineup, five-man lineup, is absolutely dominating teams. So it's more than keeping things afloat. So to your Mm. point... Like Derek Jones Jr. wasn't playing initially. I I didn't know what to make of that. Like was was that a was that a concern? Was that something that you know he wasn't playing for because he missed uh, missed time because of injury because he wasn't really good in Portland last season? Like what, what's the deal with Derek Jones Jr. and similarly with Tony Bradley? Like he wasn't playing initially too, but like they've become players, like really really important players. Every minute those two guys have played have been so damn good, and and Io as well. So yeah, there isn't right now a real obvious weak link where you guy where where a guy checks in and you and you're just worried or concerned yeah. and like. You know, obviously, the last season, like when Denzel comes in or something like that, it's like, <laughs> oh god, here we go, or you know, Archer Diakono or whoever the hell it might be. And you just oh wow, like, right? G- Arch Diakono <laughs> slander from Mark Karen Sulis. That's impressive. Okay. Well, I mean, when you you're throwing Ryan Archer Diakono to guard Giannis, like, come on, like even <laughs> even, even me, a Homer, can admit that. So, yeah, but to answer your question, I I don't get that feeling right now, yeah. which is good. 
And, and I think that is what you take away from it as well. Like when you just have reliable players, players you know are legitimate NBA players, not, you know, fringe NBA guys or G League guys or in that capacity. Like that gives you a sense of confidence. Like to, Troy Brown Jr. right now is playing 8.9 minutes per game. Like if something happens during the course of a game, like someone gets ejected or something and, and Brown has to extend that to 25, like, okay, cool. I'll trust that. Like I won't be sitting there you know, tearing my hair out if it was Denzel Valentine. Like I'll trust that. And at the same time, having guys who can dribble Mark, like let's let's not you know, ignore the luxury of that. The Bulls did not have a lot of guys who could actually dribble a basketball over the past couple of years. They just didn't. Who now on this roster can't? Like even Alice A. Johnson is a plus ball handler for someone who plays that position. Troy Brown Jr. can handle. Like Io clearly can handle. Derek Jones Jr. is is actually a decent dribbler for someone his size and his position. Javante might be one of the weak links, but okay, you can make up for that because you also have Lonzo, you have Demar, you have Zach. Like there's just so much flexibility now in the skill sets of these players that you feel a lot more confident just watching this team and when they're trotting out secondary lineups or tertiary lineups you just kind of feel okay they can get something going regardless because they have the personnel yeah for sure and a lot of the times it's been the starters have you know for whatever reason just come out flat the Bulls Bulls net rating first quarters hasn't been ideal um, there's been games more often than not where they haven't brought it in the first quarter and you know Billy makes his sub in comes the second units and those second unit guys get things going and the Bulls are able to you know stay afloat and then second third fourth quarter come around and, and like I mentioned before the Bulls are the best fourth quarter team in the NBA right now like the starters take over from that standpoint but yeah a lot of the times it is the second unit guys getting them back into games and was, was it the Nets game that that happened I, it's sort of um, I'm conflating yeah. games in my own mind at the moment, but there was a game there, you know, within the last week where it was the second unit that broke things up. Like they, they built a nine, 10, 11 point lead. And then in comes the, the starters on the back of that. And then they expand that lead to, you know, 15, 17 points or whatever it may be. So right. yeah, the, the Bulls second unit on paper doesn't make sense, but that doesn't matter because ultimately the result has been um, has been a positive one. So, yeah, they're playing extremely good. They're playing extremely hard, and and you know coming back to Billy Donovan, this is why I think he's going to be Coach of the Year this season. Particularly if the Bulls maintain this winning pace, like you know maybe maybe Steve Kerr has an argument if the, if the Warriors you know end up with sixty odd wins or something like that, and particularly right. if they do it with you know Clay missing so much of the season and them playing their typical Warriors style of basketball and, you know, if they win 20 more games and than what they did last season, then maybe Kerr wins it. But if you think around the league, rest of the league, like I don't, I don't see a, a very good case for anyone else but Billy Donovan in this sense. So um, uh, if the Bulls maintain this pace, if they keep playing the way they, they are right now and if they keep sort of forcing these national media types who – were so dead set in in their in their positioning of the balls in terms of then maybe not even being a playing team or if they were a playing team they wouldn't yeah. necessarily be anything more than that like if the balls are sitting like third fourth maybe more than that in the east particularly with you know the Milwaukee Bucks they look to be in cruise control they haven't had their full team um, we'll see what happens with the Sixers and the Simmons thing and all that sort of stuff but. Yeah, like it's open right now for the Bulls to, to do 
to do something very interesting this season as and as a byproduct of that like i think billy donovan's going to be coach of the year yeah i mean he he very well might and you know what i'm going to be banging the drum on alex caruso as six man because yeah. i am just i get it it, it goes to the offensive players mostly <laughs> i get, but that's what i want to fight because that's dumb and i i've been on yeah. this ever since tosh got robbed by jamal crawford back in the day like yep. That, that was never okay with me. There was a two-way guy there, and the difference was what? Like five points per game. That that did it for the voters. Five raw yeah. points per game, and you didn't even take into account the defense, the rebounding, the on-off numbers. Like, I think it's time that you give it to a two-way player coming off the bench. Right now, Alex Caruso is just immensely impactful coming off that bench. Immensely. Oh, for sure. I mean, he leads the league in steals, total steals. He leads the league right. in steal percentage. Uh, the, the way he comes off the bench and impacts defense uh, is just insane. Like I, I don't have the vocabulary to describe how insanely good his how, how how good his defense is. Like yesterday against the Mavs, like he was he had the six steals. The things he was doing in terms of using defense to create offense is just insane and. It, it, it that's super valuable because in the half court he isn't very valuable from an offensive standpoint. Like I don't really want him running pick and roll. Um, he's okay as a spot up shooter. I don't really want him shooting off the bounce and those sorts right. of things. But you can live with that if he's getting in the game and mucking things up to the point where on an average game he's, he's giving you two or three steals. Those two or three steals turn into transition points either for himself or for the team. Like he he's, he's yeah he. He could realistically win it. Maybe he is the sixth man of the year and he's closing games for teams, for this team. So in that sense, he is kind of the sixth man as well. But yeah, I, I guess just due to the way the, this award typically, you know, the way it's typically handed out, I would, I would assume Derek Rose wins this thing or is on, is on pace to win this thing, given how important he has been to the Knicks and how good that Knicks bench has been for the Knicks themselves. But yeah, maybe there is a chance for Caruso to win it. He certainly would be deserving if it, if, if, if it were to occur. He is averaging a steal every 10 minutes. It, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And and again, like when we think about this Bulls team, like I, I, they're, they're currently a top seven offense. They're a top seven defense. Mm-hmm. You think about that and you think of the, about the sustainability of that. And you think about all the things the team has gone through. Vucevic, obviously, with his struggles. Zach having one hand, basically. No Kobe, no Pat, basically. There's been so many things on the offensive end where, at the moment, this team is a top seven offense. You think there's maybe some scope for it to, if not improve, then at least to maintain. And similarly on defense, like, if Alex Caruso is going to do these things on defense, similarly with Alonzo... I don't see why the defense is going to fall off from, you know, seventh and fall all the way back to the mid pack. Maybe it falls down from, you know, six or seven to eight, nine, 10, something like that. But like, who really cares? So long right. as you have a, a top 10 ish offense and defense. And in, and ultimately, because you're really good on both sides of the ball and so few teams are, you, and, and, you know, you might grade out as a, a top five team in terms of net rating. Like if the team is, if the team is top five in net, in net rating by the time we hit uh, January, then, then this team is, is for real. Uh, that'll be like a 20, 30 game sample size at that point. We should be very confident about where things are at based on an expanded uh, sample. And if, if that's where things sit in come January, that there's still a, a top 10 offense and defense as they've proven through the first 11 games, then uh, then this team is for real. Oh, for sure. And and I think like for me, when it comes to looking at this team long-term for you know down the line for the playoffs, the end of this season, Ultimately, like I don't 
I'm not going to care about overall record as much as I just want them to get into the playoffs as opposed to the play in because you know the for first things foremost I mean that's going to prove some people wrong and I, I kind of like that because people were way too down on this team coming into the season um but also just getting into the playoffs off of strength alone and not some play in luck would also be a boon to them as itself so it, it's, it's going to be the the long-term goal for me is just get into the playoffs traditionally speaking and if that means it's 50 wins if it's 47 wins 45 i don't even care just just mm-hmm. get in and then see and then whatever happens in the playoffs it's it's cream at this point i mean i, I won't go so far to say that these first 11 games are going to determine that but like we talked about at the top, like having eight wins in the bank right now certainly matters. Yeah. These next five games, like with Vooch out, if you can just, you know, just get past that injury and, you know, you sneak out two, three wins on a, you know, traditionally tough road stretch of games, if you can get three wins here and, and extend your record to, to 11 and six with Vooch being out against this competition that you're going to be facing, like, there's still so much more basketball to be played, so I yep. won't say that you know the the next five games is going to determine the outcome of the season, the season, but it can set the foundations of what your season will be. So, from that standpoint, you know every single game matters, and particularly in the Eastern Conference where things are seemingly so wide open. Like I, I still believe that a couple games here, a couple games there, will swing yep. this thing in a number of different ways. Like. Three, four wins will be the difference between being a three or four seed or being a seven and eight seed and being in a playing situation. So yeah. it all matters. It's all important. Uh, the next five games are, are critically important. It won't necessarily determine the season, but uh, it will. It will determine you know the platform that the Bills, the Bulls have to to, to build upon. So uh, I'm looking forward to how this all gets going. We'll find out very soon. More uh, Golden State coming up on fr- Friday night. Uh, the Clippers on Sunday. The Lakers on Monday, the Blazers on Wednesday night, and then the Bulls close out their road trip out west with the Nuggets or at the Nuggets on Friday evening yep. before returning home uh, next week, next Sunday, that is, against the New York Knicks. So, yeah, interesting interesting stretch of games coming up. A lot of good teams. They're all, you know, virtually playoff teams. If they can go 3-3, three and 4-2, three, and two, that would be uh, a pretty damn good outcome, but we'll, we'll find yeah. out in due course. But nonetheless, Maud, I appreciate you jumping on the pod, mate. Uh, I've, I've gone through stretches in this podcast where I was talking myself into it, maybe pulling myself back because <laughs> I didn't want to get too excited. Uh, but now I'm sort of now I'm just eager to see how this thing plays out. But nonetheless, I, uh, I appreciate you jumping on the pod and, and talking balls with me. No, thank you for having me as always. And yeah, no, there, look, there's there's reason to talk yourself into things. I, I've basically just taken the mindset that I I like to see entertaining basketball in Chicago again. Yeah, so yeah, like it's, good. It, it's that's that's really my bar. And, and yeah, getting into the playoffs huge. And and that's a goal, of course, because I want to see Bulls playoff basketball. That's I think the league is better when teams like the Bulls and the Knicks are good. Um, so, so of course I'm rooting for that. But at the same time, I just when I watch this team, man, I'm just enjoying it. Like I'm sitting yeah. there and I'm enjoying every minute of it, and that I think is the most important thing. So for sure, thank goodness for, sure. for for this change of scenery. A hundred percent, and and like we we saw that against uh, against the Mavs, where Caruso had that ridiculous steal, passed it in mid flight <laughs> to to Lonzo Ball, who in the backcourt just absolutely threw a you know a complete bullet almost full court to Zach Levine for the 360 dunk. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. just typified this season, the way that this team has sort of used 
their de- defensive identity to fuel their their offense and you know it speaks to your point you know in terms of this being a really fun and exciting brand of basketball like that that was probably the most uh, look I don't, I don't have the superlatives at this point but like that was the most fun i've had watching a, a bulls team or right. you know at least from a singular play perspective like that possession there was probably the best thing that we've seen in four <laughs> or five years so uh the you know the, the good thing is that we're, we're confident that there's more of that to come so uh absolutely yeah. uh, well i'm sure we'll be talking about that on on you know those type of possessions the next time you're on the show anyway but uh follow mort on twitter at msjmba follow his podcast as well the nba pod uh, you know wherever you catch bulls hq you can find uh the nba podcast there obviously on youtube mort you're doing the nba pod stuff there yes. as well so um, hit Morton up if you're not already doing so. Whilst you're out there following Mort, you can do so with me as well at MK Hoops. Podcast is on Twitter as well at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord, join up now. You can do so by either shooting me a DM on Twitter. I will drop you an invite link or feel free to grab one from the episode notes of this episode. As always, subscribe, rate, review, all that sort of stuff. Five-star reviews on iTunes. I do appreciate it. Um, any suggestions for the pod? Any ideas, questions, whatever it might be? bullshqpod at gmail.com and with those self-serving plugs out of the way that just about does it for Bulls HQ thank you for tuning into this one Bulls fans let's see how the team progresses over the next five games uh, on this West Coast trip and as obviously as things uh, transpire there will be more Bulls HQ coming your way very soon as well as the Bulls beat see uh, Red Fred uh, Doug Tonus and myself we're doing a podcast on the Bulls beat if you haven't checked in on that subscribe rate review follow us on there as well for some extra Bulls content but like I said that does on Bulls HQ. We'll speak very soon, Bulls fans. Let's hope this West Coast trip is a fruitful one. Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.